fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Another day in paradise, or at least we tell ourselves that each and every day. It's wonderful to have you for the midweek celebration, the post-post Monday, the pre-pre-Friday, however you look at it. Let's carpe diem all over this place, baby getting set and ready for another day. Another day of chaos, a paranoia of anarchy and malarkey, as Joe Biden would call it. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to us, always great to have you, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. I got to say, man, we are in now day number 15 without a Speaker of the House. The fatigue is beginning to set in. The frustration continues to grow across the nation and especially within the Republican Party. We are getting sick and tired of the division, of the lack of unity, and of the individual pettiness that we're seeing from so many Republican candidates or uh, elected officials. I almost said candidates. I guess everybody could be a candidate for Speaker of the House now. Why the hell not? Today, with round number two of the vote, with Jim Jordan being the nominated candidate for the Republican Party, we ended up losing a number. As Jim Jordan wrapped up with the vote number two earlier today at a 199 to 212 for the Democrats, and 22 of them voting for other candidates. That included anyone from Kevin McCarthy again, who has dropped out and has endorsed Jim Jordan. And everyone from Steve Scalise, who again has dropped out and has endorsed Jim Jordan. Although I have to say, I am relatively happy that we did not possibly, uh, that we didn't get Steve Scalise as a nominee and that we didn't make him Speaker of the House because hearing the internal conversation, according to Breitbart yesterday, after the vote of round number one, that it sounds like he has some pettiness of his own, whereas the majority whip that he is, and for, again, those that don't know the inside of how politics works, there is the majority party and there's the minority party. Right now, the Republicans in the House are the majority party. We have our leader of the party within the caucus, which would be at this time the Speaker of the House. Then we have our majority leader, and we have our majority whip. He is the majority whip, which means the purpose of the majority whip is to whip the votes within the caucus to vote in unison, to show some unity, and to get them to understand the position of the Republican Party and to try to sway them to vote that particular way. And according to insiders from yesterday, and according to BreitbartNews.com, they say that Steve Scalise had not been whipping individuals to vote for Jim Jordan for whatever personal vendetta that he has against him, because apparently maybe he wanted to be speaker. Maybe he doesn't like Jim Jordan. I don't quite know why. But apparently he is a uh, one that likes to hold a grudge, which we did not know before. And I was okay with, uh, with Steve Scalise becoming Speaker of the House. But apparently he did not go out of his way to actively try to whip people into voting for Jim Jordan moving forward. So that has caused the additional tear. And I got to admit, the Republicans... While this is the crucial point and we have to keep on going, I think we're starting to sense a little bit of fatigue from many Republican voters across the nation. I don't want to play anymore, you guys. Yeah, I think we're getting just a little burnout here. So round number three tomorrow on a Thursday, it sounds like, where Jim Jordan could potentially try one more time. But what it sounds like is that more Republicans may be dropping off from supporting Jim Jordan. And if that's the case, then I don't know what we do. 
There are a few names that have been thrown about, but right now we are in. Uh, we have essentially, we have the, I'm going to use the terminology for the media and for progressives that listen to this program to understand, although conservatives, you and I get what we're talking about here. We have the quote-unquote hardliner conservative Republicans that ended up causing this issue and removed Kevin, uh, Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And now we have the moderate Republicans that I call the unwelcome rhino Republicans who are causing more havoc by refusing to get on board and unify to actually nominate a more conservative speaker, which was the entire purpose of this discussion. And they're the ones holding it up. Uh, I take that back. All of them are moderates except for Ken Buck out of Colorado, who's part of the Freedom Caucus, but yet despises Jim Jordan for whatever reason because of his stance on Donald Trump's election in 2020 and because of funding for Ukraine and because of those particular issues which as Speaker of the House, Jim Jordan wouldn't have very much say on anyways. He's going to refuse to vote for him and nominated somebody. I think he nominated like Kevin McCarthy or somebody. Who knows? But between the eight conservatives that caused the issue and the 22 Republicans now, massively majority of rhino Republicans, we can't come to a consensus of a unified Republican Party. And it is a battle with the rest of everybody else stuck in the middle just wanting to do something. Now, I try to stay positive here. As you know, we try to look at the positive side of things in our very zen-like moment here on The Voice of Reason. Take a deep breath in. And the good news is, is that we at least have a moment where government's not doing anything. And while that may seem very concerning to some, they don't like that. We have so much to address and we do have some issues we need to deal with. Government's not passing legislation, which means government's not spending more money, which means government's not regulating us more with more legislation being passed, which means right now the government is relatively stagnant to a degree. And usually we're totally okay with that. So you know what? Go ahead and continue to bicker it and bicker it out. Uh, go ahead and use your uh, individualism to try and stand up for what you feel is such a great cause to die on a hill with. And we'll just continue to not have government impose any will upon us. The negative side of that argument is that we still have a Democrat majority Senate that is trying to do things and they're going to gain more and more power with the lack of unity that Republicans are showing. And we have a president who has no fear whatsoever, or at least he's told to have no fear whatsoever because he probably doesn't know it himself, of just signing executive orders with his pen and his willpower and his phone calls. So he'll continue to dictate on his own. And the one chamber that Republicans have a majority in is in such a civil war right now that we're not able to really stop or cease or hold him accountable for what's actually being done. The vote earlier today from the House of Representatives was a decent one in the sense that putting him up as Jim Jordan, meaning being Speaker of the House, is a great message if Republicans would actually unify behind him. As Tom Cole was the one that officially nominated him on the floor earlier today, as a very moderate guy himself, saying that Jim Jordan would be the ideal guy for this that I think would have, you would think, rally most of the conservatives across the nation and in the caucus and in the House of Representatives to actually support someone like Jim Jordan. Now, if you're a Republican, it ought to be a pretty easy decision, my friends. You know, this is a, somebody who believes what we believe and has fought for and shown that over and over again. You know, when I first got to know him, a lot of his focus was on spending. That's exactly where the focus of this House ought to be. Now, he's laid out a plan, not just a short-term plan, as to how we deal with the appropriations process. I'm an appropriator. 
I think I know that uh, that's not the root of the problem. But unlike any other speaker we've had, he's had the courage to talk about a long-term plan and to get at the real drivers of debt. And we all know what they are. We all know it's Social Security. We all know it's Medicare. We all know it's Medicaid. No president of either side has been willing to deal with this. No speaker of either side has been willing to deal with this. My friend, our former colleague, John Delaney, and I offered a plan. I still file it every year. John's not here anymore to go back and do in uh, 1983 what we did then and address Social Security, we never can get any help. This is a guy that wants to create a debt commission, a bipartisan debt commission, and get at the roots of our spending problem. That takes courage. You would think that the reason that we removed Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, because of the fact that he put up this continuing resolution conservatives didn't want, he ended up wavering and faulting and cowering against his bill that he proposed back during the debt ceiling debate back in early spring and early summer that he that this would be the main topical discussion. And even if you disagree with his stance on Donald Trump's election of 2020, even if you think you disagree with his funding of Ukraine because we need to support Ukraine or you need to support Israel, whatever the conversation may be with other geopolitical events happening right now at the moment, you would think that our own budget which caused the controversy in the first place would be priority number one. And as a conservative, and even as a Republican, in name only, apparently, but those who pretend or at least try to defend themselves as being Republicans, this would be priority number one, focusing on budgetary issues where Jim Jordan would be one hell of a guy, so to speak, to be the one to actually stand up and fight by putting this committee together and looking at the deeper root issues within our budget as opposed to just expanding continuing resolutions, passing an appropriations budget that doesn't really change a whole lot of our deep-rooted problems within government, and actually begin to address the issue. That was the whole point of removing Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. So what's next? According to insiders right now, we have another vote for round number three to try and vote for Jim Jordan tomorrow. And Jim Jordan's going to try and whip, hopefully Steve Scalise as the House Majority Whip would actually do the same as well, to get everybody on unison. However, according to CNN, with their inside scoops, quote-unquote, they say that's probably not going to happen. I mean, at least for Jordan, a lot of Republicans, even losing four Republicans and only gaining two, they're seeing more loss there than they are gains. And, you know, a number of the four who actually voted against Jordan in this case they are, one of them is from Representative Swing District, for example. Another one kind of fits into um, the groups that we saw emerge yesterday, an, an appropriator, someone who is very worried, worried that Jordan and the far right, if they get their hands on controlling the power of the purse, will not be able to fund the government. Some of them are just pragmatic Republicans who just want to govern and are fed up and said, listen, I'll vote for Jordan once, but I'm not going to vote for him again. And that's the cause for concern as he ended up dropping a couple. He actually lost one in total today with round number two. He had gained a few other individuals but lost a few others. And it sounds like that some Republicans, even more so, are going to be ditching Jim Jordan for round number three and voting tomorrow. So who's up? We've tried a moderate candidate with Kevin McCarthy, and that didn't do well with conservatives. We've now tried a conservative Speaker of the House, which isn't doing well with the moderates. Who's that happy medium between the two? 
I'm telling you right now that while we're in it and while may, we may be exhausted with this argument. I don't want to play anymore, you guys. While that may be exhausting and the fatigue is beginning to set in for many Americans and especially registered Republicans who want to see unity within the Republican Party, I'm here to tell you now that now is the time where we do not falter because if we cower and if conservatives end up conceding at the end of the day here now, we'll look foolish more so than what we've ever seen before. The Matt Gateses, the Lauren Boeberts, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the ones that actually supported the removal, although some of those I don't think actually voted to oust Kevin McCarthy, but the conservatives that did, this is now the never make or break, and you cannot falter. And I think that's where it is. It's a power play of dominance within the Republican Party on who is going to cave first unless we find that happy medium who's conservative enough for the conservatives and moderate enough for the Republic, uh, for the moderate side of the Republican Party. And I don't know that there is a candidate that fits that happy medium. There is a conversation to just extend the speakership to Patrick McHenry, who is the sitting Speaker of the House right now for the next 15 days to at least get something done to prepare for the continuing resolution, to do some funding for Israel, and to work on some other issues. But Patrick McHenry is a radical moderate guy. And while he supported Kevin McCarthy and he supported Jim Jordan, he is a very much a moderate guy that doesn't do anything for the conservatives who wanted a more conservative speaker to actually change things in Washington, D.C. And the fact that there was, by the way, one of the names that was brought up as just a random candidate because people just didn't want to vote for Jim Jordan. You know what that name was? John Boehner. Oh, yes. John Boehner's name came up. That just shows how radically left many of these Republicans in this caucus are. And to find this happy medium between the two ends of the spectrum of this Republican Party that has widened itself so much and expanded itself so much it's become weak, I don't know that we can find the happy medium in between the two right now. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. So we have a couple of different ideas right now. Round number three of voting happening tomorrow for Jim Jordan. And I want to be very clear here. Let's listen up and let's be very clear. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I want to be very clear here that I made a comment on social media today that it's time for the Republican Party to unify. And to unify with a very particular message, which is conservatism, which is cutting spending, which is bringing government transparency, which is investigating the corruption from the Democrat Party. All of this is going on, and we know what's going on, and we need someone that's actually going to be a fighter to lead that. And what it sounds like is that Jim Jordan by far would be the best candidate for that. So these 22 Republicans, conservative, moderate, whatever they may be, uh, I hate to do this because we're not the lockstep, just get in line, toe the line, do as we tell you to, but for the greater purpose, and I hate using that, for the greater purpose here, for the collective, for the greater, you know, the ends justify the means here, that's progressive mindset. At the same time, the Republicans are in a desperate state right now, and conservatives cannot waver, cannot back down. These 22 Republicans, whenever we get a speaker that hopefully is a relatively conservative individual, need to have some type of repercussion to not get on board and just say, you know what, for the party and for what we need to do with a continuing resolution coming up in less than a month, with a farm bill that's coming up in less than a month, it's actually already past expired, so we have that to work with right now. With a Democrat majority in the Senate, we have to stop 
allowing ourselves to cower. I said yesterday, right now, moderates, they cave more easily to Democrats than they are to our own Republican Party right now to work along with us. They cower easier and quicker to the Democrat caucus when they're bullied as opposed to the Republicans. These individuals need to be stripped of their committee ships, whatever committees that they may be on. They need to be null and void. We need to make them irrelevant in Congress because they're unwilling to work with the vast majority of the Republican Party. Andy, it's the eighth and actually caused the issue. We had the ability. We had the terms to have one person put up Kevin McCarthy as speaker to remove him from office if he did not hold up his end. And we did it. So you can be upset with them, but they had all the power and the ability and the legal action to do so. Now it's time to unify and get this done. So what are the options? Well, we could extend Patrick McHenry for 15 days to actually get something done in the House, which seems like right now, if the vote for round number three of Jordan doesn't go through tomorrow, sounds like uh, something that may be plausible, although I am very skeptical and I don't want that to happen. Number one, he doesn't want it because he wants to be a chairman for the committees that he's in. Number two, he is a radically moderate individual, and it would defeat the purpose of the conservatives and the entire purpose of what we tried to do of removing Kevin McCarthy. He's much more moderate than what Kevin McCarthy is. Number three, it's the idea that Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats have proposed wanting to look like they're the party to actually get something done. They're the party to actually move forward. They're the party to actually see some progress happen in the House of Representatives, and I don't want that because you know what's going to happen politically. Democrats save the day by getting a moderate guy in there and getting moderate Republicans to join Democrats to make him speaker, at least even on a temporary basis. That is not solving the issue, and conservatives would then see a couple steps backwards. The second option, according to those, is they're looking for that candidate that could just be the one to unite everybody, which is the Tom Cole, the same guy that put up Jim Jordan on the speaker's vote today, the guy that made the announcement and has been throughout this entire process, Tom Cole out of Oklahoma. Problem is, he's been there forever. He's a very much establishment candidate, and he's got an F rating from the conservative review. Now take that for a grain of salt, with a grain of salt, that the conservative review only looks at particular issues in order to make their grade scale for elected officials, but he's got an F at like a 54% rating. So he's not the most conservative guy. He's a go-along, get-along, moderate establishment Republican who's been there for decades and just likes to go along to get along to play the game. And again, with the whole purpose of trying to fight the system, to, uh, to end the corruption in the system, to expose the corruption in the system, and actually start seeing drastic changes of how government operates, he would be the worst candidate to do that. So, where are we at here? What are we going to do moving forward? We need to make round number three for Jim Jordan to happen and be successful tomorrow. It's time for you to call your elected officials. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. So during the break, I was texting a couple of my congressional buddies and their offices, trying to see if we can't get them on the program to get an update on what's going on. And as of right now, they say there's no confirmed date or time set for the next vote for Speaker of the House. They're thinking tomorrow, but do not have a time scheduled, nor have confirmed whether it will be tomorrow either. So sounds like this third round of voting with Jim Jordan saying that he could be 
uh, this could be his final round if he doesn't get the proper amount of votes, that they're taking their time trying to talk with these 22, especially individuals, and making sure no one else drops off, and then what they can do to try and rally the troops to unite this one. This is an important one. And as I mentioned, this is kind of the make or break, not only for Jim Jordan, but for the conservatives who started this process trying to actually change the dynamic of the House of Representatives, change the dynamic of what kind of policies coming out of the House of Representatives. If we don't get Jim Jordan, which is the most popular of the conservatives, I think, with the biggest chance of winning, if we don't get that one, then this entire thing for the last 15 days has been all for nothing. We'll get a probably more moderate candidate than what Kevin McCarthy was a speaker. And then we could see some pretty devastating stuff happening with just the compromise, the weakness, the giving up, the hiding of the shadows, the putting the tail between the legs. And we'll see them cower more so to Democrats pressuring them of a government shutdown than what they would to cower and cave and actually work with, I don't know, the rest of their own Republican caucus. So that's the state that we're in. And we'll get some more of that here just a little bit later. But I want to shift gears here for just a bit with our latest in what's trending. What's trending today? And you can really, this is a prime example of really what we're going to talk about with our next guest here in his latest book, because you can see the lockstep unison that Democrats have. Now, it's not always there, behind the scenes especially, when Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House and how she really was the drill sergeant, the marching orders to the rest of the caucus on how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to vote. And we hear a little bit of squabbling behind the scenes, especially when the squad came in, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and all these other ones. We saw a little bit of the bickering amongst them, right? I am told this is a garbage disposal. (laughs) Yeah, that's still my favorite one. Oh, our low-hanging fruit that we love to make fun of here. Uh, We heard a little bit of the arguments and the butting of heads among the Democrat Party. But at the end of the day, they always unified. They always unified lockstep, and they always voted in unison, which is what we've seen with the Hakeem Jeffries vote day in and day out, as opposed to the Republicans, to where we can obviously see that we don't have any unison and no structure to really get them to organize. That's kind of a good thing. That's kind of a bad thing. But how do Democrats actually operate behind the scenes? How do they get such a unified voice in their marching orders coming in and how does that trickle down not only to the elected officials but to their delegates down at the state levels their statewide parties and even their voters across the nation to talk about that really happy to have on the program and we love having him from the few times we've had him on he is a author of numerous books including his latest one at crime inc how democrats employ uh, employ mafia and gangster tactics to gain and hold power excited to have on the program vince everett ellison vince how are you my friend and I'm doing great. And to answer your question, the way they do it, they're a crime family. And nobody messes with the man at the top or you get whacked. Mm. Uh, we saw that with Nancy Pelosi, didn't we? I mean, she's she's had a very strict Speaker of the House uh, uh, leadership. Even when they've had the slim majority like we do right now, they never stepped out of line, did they? No, because she controls all the money. She'll pull all your money back. Um, every, uh, everybody in the Black Caucus comes from the, from the poorest districts and poorest areas in the world. They make no money. So they get their four or five million dollars a month for a re-election every year through the DNC, through Nancy Pelosi. And if they jump off the reservation, they're dead meat, period. This is why LGBTQ, um, drag queens, uh, teachers unions, um, and all these guys are taking over the party. See, this this, this party is a, is, is a crime family, but they've always been this way. They've been the part of slavery since 1800 to 1860. The party is a confederacy from 1860 to 1865. Part of Jim Crow from 1865 to 1970. Now they're the part of Marxism, racism. Look at where they look at what they do to black people. Everywhere they rule, everywhere they have control of them, they beat them down. They tell them they're victims, drugs, dope, fighting, terrible schools. 
and they use intimidation. They, they, they're, they're like the mafia. They, they make the money from hit. You know, they have the abortion clinic. They kill children, and they get money from it. That's who they are, man. They're just a crime family. And you need to get my book, Crime Inc. Yeah. Go to my website, com, and there it is. The weird part, Vince, is that even with all of that, in all the years, really since their existence in the country, they still get the vast majority of the votes from minority communities uh, all over the country. I don't get it. Okay. Yeah, man. Well, you know, they are who they are. They are a crime organization. They hate everybody. They kill everybody, but they get their power. And that's all they're concerned about, their power. Yeah. Uh, is that why we haven't seen the new generation of Democrats rise up into leadership? Because they've, uh, I think they've ruined themselves and they're going to damage themselves when all these leaderships and Democrats end up retiring, which they're trying not to. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's still there for crying out loud. Diane Feinstein died in office at the age of 90 because she didn't want to give up her seat. Is that what, do you think that they're building th- themselves up for failure because they have not allowed the new generation to come in and kind of take the reins on some things? Well, no, they, they have the media, they have the money. Uh, they have the, the public education system to groom the children for them, like the crime families do. Uh, you know, the mafia and the triads and the whatnot, they, they have the, the crime families. They groom children. The Democratic Party uses the public education system in Hollywood to groom children. So now these children are irreligious. These children don't uh, believe in God. And uh, they've done polls that show that most of these children now um, uh, have been groomed by the Democratic Party, dry queen story hour, shaking their behinds in children's faces. Look, they're a criminal organization, they're an evil organization. They'll always be that way. They're not going to change. The best thing we can do is get our children out of public education and groom them ourselves and, and make sure the Democratic Party never gets their home, hands on our children again. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, talk about Let's talk about the squad for a second. Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, kind of the disruptors that we saw from the Democrat Party, more so than I think anybody else has disrupted the party for at least a while. Are they the useful idiots, or do you think they've gotten back in line with the rest of the party's agenda? Oh, they're back in line. They might raise a little bit of heck every now and again, but they tell them to be quiet because they're giving away the store. They're telling them <laughs> the Democrat Party really is. See, Black Lives Matter is the Hamas of the Democrat Party. Uh, they're the they're the shock troops. They're the they're the suicide bombers. The same way that I, Iran gives money to Hamas, the Democrat Party gives money to BLM. Yeah. The Democrat Party and BLM are one and the same. Just like the Ku Klux Klan used to be the uh, military wing of, of, of the Democrat Party, BLM and Antifa and the NAACP is that now. They've always had a bunch of murders in, in, in their midst, and they haven't changed. No, and we see that self-evident right now. I mean, the social media posts from Black Lives Matter themselves supporting Palestine, some of the most anti-Semitic comments I've ever seen it right now with this ongoing conflict in, in Israel and the Gaza Strip right now. The Democrat Party, who's been blaming Trump and blaming Republicans and blaming conservatives for being anti-Semitic, hating Jews, all this garbage and nonsense for years— I guess, the, 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 to use the words for Jeremiah Wright, chickens are coming home to roost here. We're seeing some of those anti-Semitic comments right now, and they're all coming from the left side of the aisle, are they not? Of, of course they are. That's who they've always been. They've always been anti-Semitic. They've always been cruel. They've always been racist. Um, and now they're trying to cover it up, but it's, it's, it, it is leaking out. And because of shows like yours, because of books like mine, we are letting everybody know about them, and we're going to take them out. Yeah. Amen to that. We're talking with Vince Ellison, author of the book Crime, Inc., How Democrats Employ Mafia and Gangster Tactics to Gain and Hold Power. Let's talk about ways to dismantle it. Obviously, if they're running their ship like a gangster or mafia uh, uh, organization, which has been running smoothly for a very long time, how do you disrupt it, Vince? How do we start getting uh, in there and start breaking up those cogs in that system and getting people away from it? Well, it's going to take Christian businessmen and you're going to be good, good Christian people like you and I uh, going out and doing the hard work. Look, my first chapter talks about how uh, this Democrat Party today isn't like the old Democrat Party. 
who's just a group of clan members, you know, uh, rubes. So this is an, a, 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 a sophisticated group of people that took over the party in 1972. They jumped from the civil rights community in, into the Democrat Party. And the civil rights community was 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 just replete with 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 uh, with uh, Marxists and 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 weirdos and perverts. And after '72, they took this party over. And just like the the, the mafias from Italy and the triads are from Asia, this Democrat party is straight out of Moscow. They are communists and they are Marxists. Look at what they try to do: tax and spend, tax and spend. Socialism is all they want. We have to shine the light on them. We have to take the the the, the cameras to Detroit to Chicago, to Baltimore, to Memphis, to L.A., wherever they are, and make people understand that this is the Democrat Party. It is not the left. It is not socialism. It is the Democrat Party. And they hate America. They hate God. They hate everything that's good. Yeah, amen to that. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's running for president, recently made the shocking announcement saying he was leaving the Democrat Party and going independent because both parties are corrupt. He wants to get away from both of them. And the Democrat Party, which his entire family has served for decades, is not serving their true uh, purpose or doing what they need to be doing any longer. Do you think that's going to help some of those quote-unquote moderate Republic, or moderate Democrats, the blue dog Democrats, the working class out there that just want the economy to be decent and get back to normal? Do you think that's going to help pull some of those away from this radical party that we're seeing right now? We're, we're, we're hoping that it is. Um, you know, the, uh, the CNN and the MSNBC don't want to give Bobby Kennedy any 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 type of airplay. So they're going to try to censor him like they try to censor me and like they try to censor you. But truth crushed down to the ground will rise again. We have to make uh, people in America understand that they're not victims. We have to tell them, see, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of Jesus Christ. Mm. I cannot be oppressed. I cannot be a victim. I never met any man that's, that's, that's over me or that is superior to me. We have to go back to 1963 to the I Have a Dream speech when Martin Luther King Jr. said, a um, hundred years after the Emancipation Proclamation, Negro is still not free. And explain to people that is a lie. I was born free. My freedom came from God. It's an unalienable right. It is irrevocable, non-transferable, and unsellable. King said five times in that speech that we were not free. He also said in the last part of the speech, and we always use this refrain, on some, some certain day we'll be free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty we're free at last. No, I was born free. Yeah. The government doesn't set me free. My freedom transcends the Constitution. It transcends the law. It's a God-given gift, and government cannot touch it. And we've told the American people, we make our children recite this speech, and this speech is the antithesis of the Declaration of Independence. It yeah. says that we have an unalienable right to freedom, and the government cannot touch our freedom. It cannot give it to us, it cannot give it to us, and it cannot take it away. So Martin Luther King Jr. and this I Have a Green speech started a retrogression in America. So we have to change. We have to go back there and mm. set things right. I love it, Vince. I love it, my friend. we got to take a break here. I appreciate it very much. It's Inc- uh, Crime, Inc. Go check out the book, Vince. We appreciate it. Keep up the fight, my friend. God bless you. Right back here on The Voice of Reason. Sure. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Man, some awesome conversations with the man himself, Vince Ellison. You can find his website, VinceEllison.com, if you want to go check out all of his books. His latest one, Crime, Inc., How Democrats Employ 
mafia and gangster tactics to gain and hold power. It makes all the sense in the world when you see them with their top-down marching orders that they get from the party to the media to the state party to their voters. They have these marching orders. They have their talking points. They don't listen to anything else. They put on their blinders and la, 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 la. They just completely ignore everybody else. And it makes sense. It makes sense because if you don't go along with that, then you're out, baby. You are out. You have sabotage. You have ruined. You have damaged the party. And that's not allowed. That's not acceptable. And I, I would disagree in one place. I think that because that they don't have any young leadership, while they still have their, uh, their, I guess, ideologues that are trying to run everything, they don't have the structure to be able to play the game as good because they don't have anybody that's given a chance to play the game. You know, you can have the best ball player in the world, but unless they get out onto the field and do it over and over and get that muscle memory and live under pressure and practice the way that they need to, then they could be mechanically the best one at practice, but they don't have any experience on the field under that pressure, under the lights with a thousand people watching them at that time. And there's a completely different scenario. You can have the most radical ideologue Democrat out there, but unless they actually know how to play the game in Washington, D.C., they're not going to be an effective leader. And right now, the Democrat Party has not allowed new uh, new leaders to take the gavel, so to speak, and to run with it and to be that voice for that Democrat Party. Uh, point in case right now. With the vacancy in the Senate from the state of California, and although it is filled right now, there is an election coming up next year to fill that vacancy after the passing of Dianne Feinstein at 90 years old because, again, she didn't want to give up that power. And while she may be completely off of her rocker, so to speak, when she was speaking for the last few months prior to her passing, she refused to let it go, refused to just disappear and let someone else take the reins for there. Now there's a vacancy, and one of those individuals who are desperate to take that seat is Adam Schiff. And the only reason anybody knows the name Adam Schiff is because of his push to impeach Donald Trump, and he led that quote-unquote legal team on the House floor for the two impeachments against the President of the United States. And we know it's false. We know that it was a lie. We know that it was completely fake news. You are fake news. But at the end of the day, it worked. And Adam Schiff got his recognition. He got his 15 minutes of fame. And now he thinks that he's some kind of hot commodity in the Democrat Party to become one of those new rising leaders within the party once the 90-year-olds pass away and the 60-year-old takes hold. <laughs> How's that going to do representing the young generation that wants to take hold in this party? It's not going to happen. But here's where he just needs a little bit more of an educational lesson on common sense or the way things are done is apparently, according to Fox News, he was teaching civics and made a social media comment on the Tweety, also known as X now, and had made this comment regarding the Speaker of the House vote in Jim Jordan saying, quote, this was on Tuesday, by the way. Quote, today Republicans may make Jim Jordan the speaker. Jordan would preside over the counting of electoral votes in the next election after he was deeply involved in trying to overturn the last one, meaning his support of Donald Trump and the involvement there, that he would be the one counting the electoral votes coming into government. Say what? Now, for those that know anything about the way this process is done, that's not the case because the Senate is the one that actually counts the electoral votes. That's why so many uh, individuals were upset about Vice President Mike Pence heading up the Senate with challenging the electoral votes 
or not even opening the envelopes of the electoral votes and just sending them back and saying that we need a recount or we need to do some investigation on these before we actually certify them. That's the Senate's job and not the House of Representatives' job. And if you're going to run for a seat in the U.S. Senate, you might want to understand the positions and the differences between the two chambers. I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. Why not? But he wants to feel really important, so he tried to give his own lesson, and it didn't quite work and backfired on him pretty badly. So Adam Schiff is, again, one of the not the smartest guys in the world, but he's desperate after his 15 minutes of fame and glory in the Democrat Party, knocking those pegs down on former President uh, Donald Trump, that he can now be one of those new leaders moving forward. They seem like, however, they're going to be skipping that generation and going to someone like the Hakeem Jeffries, who they're trying to put up as speaker in the votes right now. He's not getting it, and unless Republicans cave and actually go with him, he's not going to get it, but they're trying, and they're trying to look like that party of diversity, as Vince just talked about. They're trying to look like that party of the minority community. They're trying to look like that party that actually cares about those that they've put the glass ceiling on for decades and decades and will continue to do because it's all about the control, it's all about the power, and it's all about the self-improvement that they have like the mob family that they run. Oh, the irony. Back at it again tomorrow. We'll see if we have another vote for Speaker of the House. If not, how do we move forward, plus some of the legislation that needs to be done in Congress? Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.